Then the word of the Lord of hosts came, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am exceedingly jealous for Zion. Yes, with great wrath I am jealous for her. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Then Jerusalem will be called the city of truth, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts will be called the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Old men and old women will again sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each man with his staff in his hand because of age. And the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls playing in its streets. Thus says the Lord of hosts, If it is too difficult in the sight of the remnant of this people in those days, will it also be too difficult in my sight, declares the Lord of hosts? Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, I am going to save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west, and I will bring them back, and they will live in the midst of Jerusalem, and they will be my people, and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Let your hands be strong, you who are listening in these days to these words from the mouth of the prophets, those who spoke in the day that the foundation of the house of the Lord of hosts was laid to the end that the temple might be built. For before those days there was no wage for man or any wage for animal, and for him who went out or came in there was no peace because of his enemies, and I set all men one against another. But now I will not treat the remnant of this people as in the former days, declares the Lord of hosts, for there will be peace for the seed. The vine will yield its fruit, the land will yield its produce, and the heavens will give their due. And I will cause the remnant of this people to inherit all these things. Would you also turn please to John chapter 15. read verses 1 to 11. The text for the sermon is verses 1 to 6. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and you prove to be my disciples." Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. Covenant people of God, New Zealand it has become known internationally now for a growing and quality wine industry. Not being a wine drinker myself, I can't say too much about that from personal experience, but I, uh, I do hear it on the uh, TV and read about it in the papers from time to time. As a result of this, there seems to be more and more interest in this whole subject in New Zealand, judging by what I see in the papers more and more articles on the subject, more and more interest in vines and how to tend them and how to protect them and how to get the most out of them. And even I even heard it tied into the subject of global warming, as I guess everything else is these days, they're tied into that, that subject. But uh, they say that global warming is not all bad, that it may actually help the wine industry in New Zealand, at least in certain parts of the country. There is far more interest, however, from the Lord, who is the vine dresser and the Lord Jesus, the true vine, far more interest from him toward his branches and how they should be tended than there is from anyone in New Zealand's wine industry. We see what this analogy means under three headings. First of all, the vine dresser. Secondly, the vine. And thirdly, the branches. The vine dresser, <clears throat> the vine, and the branches. In the first place, it's clear from the text that the vine dresser, or literally the tiller of the soil, is the Father, God the Father. He is the one who prepares the ground, he uh, tends the plants, he seeks to restore the plant when it's damaged or jaded. By the will of the Father, the Son of God came into the world. By the will of the Father, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And these things were done so that God's people, so that we could be justified, so that we could be declared forgiven, and we could be declared righteous and clean in the Lord Jesus Christ, so that we could be sanctified and saved. And that is the great product that the Father has worked upon, that he has produced in this world as he has tended soil, planted, tended vines, and so on. And indeed that work that he has done and its product is something that is also internationally known, and it has been internationally known throughout the world, throughout history. It's also by the will of the Father and by his work that dead branches are removed. Verse 2 Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. The spiritually dead, who are at present connected in a superficial way to the Lord Jesus Christ, they say they believe in him, they attend church perhaps, and maybe even on a regular basis, and yet they do not having, have a living bond with the Lord Jesus Christ, a living bond that enjoys and involves a, a living faith, the bond of faith to him, all those who have that superficial connection will be cut off. 
And we could think, for example, of unbelieving Israel uh, as an example of that from the scripture, of those who had some superficial relationship to God and they, uh, they claimed to be true branches and yet they did not have that genuine bond of faith and as a result they were in time cut off. The Lord either, ex- either extends situations that expose people in this life It might be uh, pressure from their circumstances. It might be tribulation, affliction and persecution. Or alternatively, he leaves that person uh, in their misconceptions about themselves uh, until the last day. But either way, in this life, because of circumstances or at the end, these things are exposed. And those who do not have that true and genuine relationship are cut off. And that is the work of the Father. And it is done for his own glory, and it is done also for the good of the vineyard. It is done for the good of the branches too. Also for the good of the branches, the Father not only removes those that are dead, but those that are living, he also prunes. Pruning is cutting back in order to produce more. It's a cutting back the living branch in order to produce better growth, better fruitfulness. And note that fruitfulness is very much a key concept in this passage, also in the, uh, the verses that follow the, one, the part that we're dealing with. The idea of fruitfulness comes through frequently. Uh, five times in our six verses, the idea of fruit and fruitfulness and fruit bearing, we find at present. So the uh, believer, as we know, is still hindered in his uh, fruit bearing. We know uh, from the doctrine of sin and also from our own experiences with that, uh, that there lies within us an old man with its old nature and that old man and old nature hinder us in our fruit bearing and there are parts of us therefore that need to be cut back so that we can grow, so that we can mature spiritually and that is the process that we know as sanctification. Each one of us needs to be pruned. We need to be cut with the sharp two-edged sword of the word combined with the work of the Holy Spirit. And we will be. It is inevitable if we have that living bond with the Lord Jesus Christ that we will be pruned. And there's no escaping that in this life. All of these things... When you put all of this together, the the pruning of the living branches, the removal of the dead branches, the will of God that has brought about this whole vineyard, the existence of this whole vineyard and our place in it, all of this shows a lot of loving care and a lot of nurture on the part of the vine dresser. Planting it, planting it, tending it, pruning it, removing the dead wood so that we can grow. Now it probably comes as no surprise to you that while the vine dresser is the father, the vine is the son of God, the true vine as he is called here in this text. We look at this as our second point, the vine. Note firstly that there is a a unity here between the vine dresser and the vine and that's not something that you find in normal situations if you uh, see an owner of one of these vineyards or those he has employed to work and to tend the vines, if you see them out walking amongst the vineyards as you sometimes do, 
uh, you don't uh, you realize that they don't have that kind of relationship with the vines that you can say vine dresser and vine are one that's not a normal situation and yet that is the situation here with the Lord Jesus Christ the son of God and with the father and we get some indication of that in the language that the Lord Jesus uses here when he says I am the true vine and this is well known as one of the great I am statements of the Lord Jesus Christ and as with these other statements and as I've mentioned before not that long ago the uh, the words I am it's a, a rough translation of the name of God Yahweh and when the Lord Jesus issues these great I am statements he is identifying himself with Yahweh he is identifying himself with God and indicating his divine nature so in that respect the father and the son the vine dresser and the vine are one though we understand of course that within the trinity there is also a distinction of persons and roles of course the vine has a special relationship with the branches as well when the lord jesus said that he is the true that is the genuine vine uh, what he's doing there is hooking into a number of old testament references that have to do with israel as the vine of god the vineyard of the lord of hosts is the house of israel isaiah 5 verse 7 I planted you a choice vine from Jeremiah 2 verse 21. Israel is a luxurious vine, Hosea 10 verse 1 and many other verses of that kind. And so much did this come to be recognized by Israel as a part of her defining characteristic that the Jews even printed some coins that symbolized Israel by means of a picture of a vine imprinted onto those, those coins. But Israel had become a vine that had ceased to bear fruit. And we already heard what God does to dead branches. He cuts them off. Because Israel had become a dead vine, or dead branches, a new vine, one that was, was living and true, was needed. A new Israel was needed. And you see, the Lord Jesus Christ is that new vine. He is, he is in himself that new Israel condensed down to one perfect person so that out of him there could come many new branches, there could be a new people, a new spiritual Israel springing from him. Related to that, the fact that the Lord Jesus is the vine indicates that he is the source of the branches. He is the source of, of the life of the branches. He is the source of the purity and the fruitfulness and the salvation of the branches. In verse 3 we read, You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. The word of the Lord Jesus Christ, the word of the gospel, is that which has produced faith in us, and because faith has been produced in us, because it is an instrument, because it is, is a means, because of that we are also justified. And in connection with that we are also sanctified. We are made uh, clean. We experience a beginning of that cleanness in practice as well. Because of that there is fruit bearing in our lives. And all of that is based on the coming of the true vine 
uh, the new Israel condensed into that person Christ and all that springs from that. That is why we are able to have those experiences and have those things happen to us. And the Lord's Supper teaches us, it signifies and it seals those same truths to us. It tells us that the Lord Jesus Christ is the source. He is the source of our nourishment. He is our bread and wine that nourishes us. It teaches us that he is the source of our salvation and the ground of our salvation, the basis of it. He is the one who sacrificed his body and blood for us. In the third and final place, we see what it means for branches to be connected to that true vine. Look at the branches. It means, for one thing, a very close relationship, one of union between Christ and his members. And uh, consider that language that we find here in verse 5. It's also repeated again in verse 7, just outside the verses that we're looking at. This uh, you in me and I in you language. That's the language of union. You in me and I in you. And this too is a strong emphasis of the Lord's Supper. Depicted under the symbols of eating bread and drinking wine. Eating and drinking that which represents his body and his blood. A partaking of him. And these things are speaking about union. Partaking of Christ. Union with Christ, union with the vine means that what happens to the vine intimately and necessarily affects the branches. And that is particularly true with respect to the Lord's death and resurrection. These things that happen to the Lord Jesus Christ have the greatest of impact upon us as his people because we are intimately connected, united with him and partake of him. Union with Christ means that his life flows to us. We share in his life. Union with Christ means that we are in close, we are in daily contact with the Lord Jesus Christ, we have fellowship with him. But congregation, note this, that being in the church, being in the covenant, these things do not necessarily mean that we are living branches connected to the true vine in that living manner. Branches are sometimes dead. They are sometimes fruitless and useless. They are sometimes lopped off, as we've already indicated. A living branch is one that is and abides in the true vine. It abides in Christ. And notice that it's put here as a command. Abide Remain in me. That's given here as a command. And that kind of language is repeated in the text some five times, also indicating a major emphasis here. Abide in Christ. And the significance of this is also seen in that there is a warning here. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them, and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. And brothers and sisters, that's a warning of hell. Of course, the elect will never suffer that fate. But commands and warnings like this are given, 
as a means that God uses to keep his elect in the Lord Jesus Christ abiding and remaining with him. And these warnings and these commands are meant to be taken seriously. We're not meant to receive them in a blasé manner, in a complacent manner and say, well, I don't need to worry about this because I'm one of the elect. On the contrary, those who are true branches hear this and they tremble at the thought of not abiding in Christ. They would be horrified and terrified at the thought that we would ever be found outside the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the response of one who is truly connected to him. Not sitting there with a who cares attitude. The evidence of this abiding is fruit bearing. And uh, the reformers did uh, sometimes talk about how this matter of bearing fruit, doing good works and so on, has to be seen as a secondary evidence. The primary evidence has to do with our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word, but flowing from that flow many other things that we do in life. That's perhaps a helpful thing to remember, important to remember that distinction between primary and secondary evidences, but nevertheless, whether we understand it as primary or secondary, it is clear in this text that it is a sign of a healthy connection between the vine and the branches, that we are bearing fruit in our lives. And moreover, it is the aim of the vine dresser that this should be the case. It is his aim that we not only bear fruit, but that we bear more fruit. Verse 2. You can't bear any fruit unless you are abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you are abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will surely bear fruit. It's not always easy to assess how much fruit you're bearing. And it's not always healthy to sit down and make a catalogue of all of the good things that you're doing and the fruit that you're bearing. Nevertheless, brothers and sisters, we should be alert to the situation where there is little or no fruit in our lives. Moreover, this should be a driving aim in our lives and a great desire and a prayer that we not only bear fruit, but that we bear more fruit and more and more. And therefore I do put this question, even if we put it as uh, in the understanding that we deal here with secondary evidences, nevertheless I put this question, how is the fruit hanging on your branches? Is it there and is it becoming more fruit? And this is something we need to work at also with the Lord's help. Prayer is part of that work in a way that we do as we seek to bear more and more fruit. We pray and we work that there should be growth, spiritual growth. And we do that to a large extent by the study and the application of God's word. And if we don't do that, then don't expect that there will be more and more fruit, that there will be much fruit if we do not apply ourselves to the means that God has given, the means of grace that he has given to produce that growth. In New Zealand, much effort is made to ensure that Vines are bearing more and more fruit. And that is done in this country for motives of profit, material gain. It is done in order to gain a better reputation, a bigger international reputation. It is done in order to win awards and such things. But the issue for us is far, far more important than that. 
far more important than material gain or awards or an international reputation for ourselves. We understand that this is a spiritual matter with eternal consequences and we understand that this is a matter of, of that which has to do with God's glory. And therefore there ought to be far, far more concern and far, far more effort from us to this end that we as branches have and show a healthy connection to the vine and also demonstrate the loving labours of the vine dresser. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, such is our weakness and frailty that even the, the strength to abide in you must come from you. Father, we are too weak even to cling to you. Will you therefore preserve us? Will you give us the ability to cling and keep on clinging? And Father, we do thank you that we have the promise that the Lord Jesus will be in us and he will keep us in himself. We thank you for the comfort that that affords us, especially when we look at ourselves and see how unfaithful we are at times and how little fruit it seems to us that we do bear. We pray, Father, that you would so work in us that there would be more and more fruit to your glory. We pray it in Jesus' name, in the name of the true vine. Amen. As we come to celebrate the sacrament of the Lord's Supper again today, for those who wish to follow the form, we're using uh, form number one, as we usually do in the Black Book of Forms and Confessions, and uh, we pick that up after the 